Praise the, praise the Lord. So we're going to do this series in September. We do one every year called At the Movies. And this year it's on a movie called Collateral Beauty. If you've not seen the movie, I would encourage you to watch it. Uh, Will Smith is the main character. Uh, he loses his daughter. And so he's dealing with the death of his daughter. And as part of that, he begins to write letters to time, death, and love. And they respond. Because those are the three things that every one of us in this room are affected by. Time, death, and love. And we're going to build a sermon series, a three-week sermon series around this movie. And one week we're going to preach about time. One week we're going to preach about death. And one week we're going to preach about love. And so you need to be inviting your friends and family members and co-workers and neighbors to this series. I believe it's going to be epic for our church. Amen? Hallelujah. Luke chapter 15, we're going to start a new series today because how many knows that the fall is the harvest time? Not just in the natural, but it's also a spiritual time of harvest. And so we're going to start gearing up for that and we want to win as many people as we can uh, at the movies. Amen? And so we're going, to do a, we're going to do a few sermons here. I'll be gone maybe one or two Sundays this month, but we're going to do a couple uh, about evangelism, about winning people. And so this is the first one, Luke 15, verses 1 through 7. It says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners... And eats with them. Boy, it sounds like a lot of church folks I know. Amen. Uh, so he spoke this parable to them saying, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends, neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word today, God. We thank you, Lord, God, for this moment of time that we get to share what you have laid on my heart today. God, anoint every ear to hear, every mind to understand, every heart to receive today. Challenge us today, Lord. Inspire us, Father, Lord God, to win lost sheep to you. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the songs that were sang today. Lord, your presence that flowed in this place, Father, during worship. God, the anointing that flowed out of Joey's life today. God, we praise you for that today. We ask you, God, that you would save people in this service, heal people, and set people free today, God, in Jesus' precious name. And amen. You may be seated this morning. If I was going to title this series, I would just simply call it Found. Found. So Jesus teaches in parables. And so a parable is a story that contains spiritual truths about the kingdom of God. That's what you'll say, and a lot of them he'll say, and the kingdom of heaven is like. And so he's teaching us truths about the kingdom. And so in the parables that Jesus te- taught, he, the, the whole purpose of it is to teach us. So look at your neighbor and say he's talking about us. He's trying to teach us truths about the kingdom. And so in this passage of scripture that we just read this morning, Jesus is sitting with the tax collectors and the sinners. Aren't you glad that Jesus is a friend of sinners this morning? 
And it says that, G, that they came near to Jesus and they wanted to hear what Jesus was saying. It amazes me that sinners are more attuned to what Jesus is saying a lot of times than church folk. <clears throat> yeah, pastor's in the house today. Since the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners, and he eats with them. See, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they would represent what I would call the religious people in the church. Religious people always complain about God and what he is doing, especially if God begins to do something a different way. They can't handle it. I really think that a lot of religious people secretly hate God because they can't control God. Oh, yeah, I'll let that one sink in just a minute. See, see, see religious people, they want, they want to be church bosses. They want to control things. <clears throat> they don't want the freedom of God. They want the traditions of men that make the word of God of no effect. I could get on my soapbox today, but I'm going to try not to. So the religious people were actually complaining. Think about this. They were complaining that Jesus was spending times with time with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus makes it abundantly clear that he came to seek and save the lost. He said the whole need not a physician. I didn't come to win the whole. I came to win the lost. I come to find the lost sheep. Churches who weren't seeking out the lost to win them are actually in violation of Christ's purpose. His purpose was to seek and to save the lost, to win them. So naturally, Jesus isn't sitting with the church folk. Jesus is sitting with the sinners and the tax collectors because that was why he came. He came to win them. He came to win people like you and I that's full of issues and character flaws and defects. He came. I'm so glad that Jesus came and sat with me. I'm so glad that Jesus wanted to come to my house. I'm so glad that he wanted to come and live in me and fix me. Hallelujah. I've heard people say this before. So and so, so and so went to the altar. Well, that makes her six times. Maybe it'll stick this time. If it takes them 10 times. If it takes them 20 times. <laughs> I, I, I don't care. Because I don't know about you, but I've not been perfect since I accepted Jesus. I've had to find myself at an altar more than one time, more than 10 times, probably more than a thousand times to say, Father, I have sinned against you. Please forgive me. Hallelujah. So Jesus is actually fulfilling his mission to seek and to save the lost. Christ gave the church a mission too. It's called the Great Commission. It's found in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, amen. Statistically, if you know me, you know I like numbers. Statistically, everyone here today, so look at everybody around you, look at beside of you, in front of you, in behind you, everyone here today statistically knows five unchurched or lost people 
So do me a favor, give each other a high five this morning. I told you, it's Participation Sunday. Everybody here knows at least five people. We know people who are in need of Jesus. So so I'm going to help you out today, because maybe you're sitting there thinking, I don't really know. Let me think about it. That's the problem with a lot of church folks is they've institutionalized the gospel, and the only people they ever fool with is people that go to church. You can't win people that's lost if you're never around anybody that's lost. We got to get around people that don't know Jesus. And if you're worried that it might rub off on you, then you might want to check your relationship with Jesus to start with. Come on, somebody. See, we know people who need Jesus. So I want to give you a few ideas of people uh, who need Jesus that maybe you hadn't thought of before. All right? Family. I know some of us can't stand our family, but they need Jesus. If you got hate in your heart over your family today, you need to hit the altar. You ain't going to make it. <laughs> friends. We got friends that need Jesus. Neighbors. We have neighbors this morning that didn't get up to come to Sunday school, didn't get up to come to church, morning worship. Co-workers, workout partners, your doctor, your dentist, their office staff, their assistants, maybe their nurses. What about your hairstylist? When's the last time we sat in the, in the chair and talked to them about Jesus? What about the parents of our children's friends? Think about this. Just think about this for a second. We have a workable pool of people that we know who doesn't know Jesus. If we take that list right there, we can begin to identify people that we come in contact with on a regular basis that doesn't know Jesus. And we might be the only Jesus they ever see. And we might be the only Bible they ever read. We might be the only light they ever see. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. So, so I need you to high five each other again. Come on. So I'm going to do something just a little bit different today. I'm going to slow down right here and I promise you, don't, don't check out on me, okay? Don't check out because it's going to pick back up. But I, but I want us to do something today. I've asked Herschel to help me, so he's going to come up here and help me this morning. Come on, brother. So I'm going to do this right in the middle of the sermon. I'm going to put you on the spot today. Hallelujah. So here, here's what I'm going to ask you. We have an upcoming series called At the Movies. We can put that slide up there. We've got this series coming up. If you're willing to invite one person, just one person, just you only get one card today. I don't want you to come here and get four or five cards. If you're willing to invite one person that doesn't know Jesus to add to movies, I want you to come and get your card and stand right here in front of the church. One person this week. Just one person. That's all I'm asking you. One person. (laughs) Just one person. Just one right now. You get one next week and one the week after, one week, one a week. Forget... You get five total, but you only get one today. You only get one today. One person. One person. 
See, if everybody here wins one person, we've, we've doubled. Each one reach one. I like that. I'll try to put that in my sermon next week. Just need one card. And when you get it, just kind of start holding your card up. Just start holding it up. Because we're going to pray over it. I believe in anointing things. I believe that the anointing is tangible. I believe the anointing is transferable. <laughs> Paul said, I anointed handkerchiefs and people got healed and delivered and set free. Nothing, nothing about the handkerchief. It was the anointing that went with it. Hallelujah. We got a few more, Herschel. They're coming up here to your left and to your right. Uh-oh. I've worked Herschel like a dog this morning. I had to, to buy his lunch today. <laughs> Just one person this week. I think there's one more person from over here. Maybe. Has everybody got a card? All right, hold your card up. I want you to pray with me that God will anoint you and show you who you're supposed to invite this week to church. Amen. Come on, help me pray. Father, we just come right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we're asking you, Lord, to show us who we're supposed to invite the church to at the movies. Father, I pray conviction upon their heart. I pray, God, that you would draw them to you, Lord, that they will come during this movie series, Father, that they will repent of their sins and come to the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, Lord. Give me the boldness. Give me the courage, God, to invite them to to come, Lord, and be a part, to come and taste and see that the Lord, that he is good, Father. Lord, use us, God, to win, Lord. If everybody here reaches one, God, if everyone here reaches one, God, we double, Father. We advance the kingdom that much further, Father. Lord, anoint us, anoint these cards, God, to go out and win the lost, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, as you're going back to your seat, you can give each other a high five this morning, amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord today. The, the Lord is good. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Herschel. Thank you, sir. The church, listen to me, the church is called to be a city on a hill that cannot be hid. Have you ever been driving at nighttime and you're driving into a town or a city and maybe you're up on a hillside and you can see them from miles away? I mean, you see the light. That's, the, that's what we have to think about, that we're supposed to be so bright, that we're supposed to be so lit up with the light of Christ that people see us through the dark and they say, that's where I need to be and that's where I need to go. There's safety there. There's healing there. There's deliverance there. There's peace there. I've got to get to the light. We've been commissioned to reach the world with Jesus. Again, we everybody here knows people who are lost. I want us to go out and win them. Now, in our text this morning, the, the, the Pharisees and the scribes were making fun of Jesus. There will be churches, there will be people who will make fun of us for inviting the lost in or for using an invite card at the movie series, and that's okay. That's all right. I think we ought to win people however we can win them. 
Jude was so convinced of this. This is what Jude said. He said, save them with fear. He said, use fear. Pulling them out of the fire, hating even their garments defiled by the flesh. He's saying, listen, if you've got to stick your hand into the fire and pull them out, stick your hand into the fire and pull them out. I don't care how you win them, just win them. Just bring them to Jesus. If you've got to hold your nose because they got so much filth in their life, hold your nose, but pull them out of the fire. Hallelujah. My goodness. The disciples fished all night and hadn't caught a fish. These are professional fishermen. Think of Gary Dale Wilson and Alan McComas. They've been fishing all night. They's out there on the porch. I went out there to see what kind of fish tales they were telling. They's telling the truth today. The fish weren't biting. Oh, well, I got to put Gary Corns in there because he's a fisherman too. These three guys, Gary, Gary, and Alan, they've been out fishing all night long. Haven't caught a fish. Haven't caught anything. Jesus tells one of them, or tells all of them, hey, throw your net to the other side. Now, they're in this boat, and this boat is about 31 feet long, and it's eight feet wide. It's not very wide. And so... They get their nets, and they shift eight feet, just a couple steps, and they throw their net in. And they catch so many fish that they have to drag the nets to the shore. See, that's called a paradigm shift. It's a change in your approach. They had been fishing maybe on the shallow side of the boat. But they changed their approach and started fishing on the deep side of the boat. And on the deep side of the boat, there was a whole school of fish been sitting there all night long. But when they changed their approach, they begin to win. They begin to catch fish. You see, there's been a harvest sitting right beside of us all this time. There's been people, the harvest has been ready all this time. And sometimes you just got to change your approach. You can, hey, listen, I don't want to ever compromise the word of God, but methods can be changed. Styles can be changed. We can change our approach to win people to Jesus. I think the church ought to be willing to change their methods and pro- approaches as long as we don't try to change God's word. See, at ALWC, we are willing to do things nobody else is doing to win people nobody else is winning. Craig Rochelle says it like this. He says, I'll do anything short of sin to win somebody to Jesus. We can't worry about the naysayers. We can't worry about the gossip. We can't worry about the talk. We need to only concern ourselves with winning the lost. Look how Jesus responded to the Pharisees and the scribes when they made fun of him for sitting with the lost. Here's what he says. He spoke this parable to them. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in, which, in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. Which one of you is not going to give up? Which one of you is not going to stop? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. What man of you, what man of you that has a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost until he finds it. See, it isn't strange 
that sheep wander off. It's not strange. It isn't strange that a sheep would be lost, and it's not strange that a shepherd would seek the sheep. It is, it's not even strange that the shepherd would leave the 99 and go after the one. It's not strange. It's actually common. See, the shepherd knows this. He knows that as long as the 99 are together, they're safe in the sheepfold. He understands that. So he'll lead the 99 in the wilderness together, and he'll go after the one. See, the one lost sheep is the one in danger. The sheep that gets separated from the fold is the one that is in danger. Isolation from other sheep make us vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. Do you watch these National Geographic shows where these, these predator animals begin to hunt? They, they look for the, the weak. They look for the one that's out by themselves. They look for the one that's hurt. They look for the young. They look for the one that's in what they call, what they think of as an easy kill. The enemy's no different. He's looking for the one that's separated from the sheep. He's looking for the one that's wounded. He's looking for the one that's hurt. He's looking for the one that's down and out. He's looking for the vulnerable. See, the enemy, he's going after us. The Bible says that he, that he walks to and fro seeking whom he may devour. So, what the shepherd does is he'll leave the 99 and he'll go looking for his one lost sheep because of its value. See, sheep are valuable. They're very valuable, as a matter of fact. So, it is worthwhile for the shepherd to go look for the lost sheep. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He came looking for us. We were the lost sheep. We are so valuable that Christ paid for us with his precious blood. I don't know about you, but I need to take about 10 seconds right here and give me a, give God a praise. Come on, you need to give God some praise this morning. I don't know about you, but I am found this morning. He came and found me in my sin this morning. He redeemed me. I went from darkness to light. I went from death to life. I went from being lost to found, from being blind, and now I see. I don't know about anybody else this morning, but I got to give him some praise in this house today. I need some, sh- I need some found people to shout, I'm found this morning. If you're online today, type in the comment section, I'm found. See, I've been bought with a price. My name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. I am redeemed. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. How many redeemed people we got in this house today? You need to say so today. Come on, you can raise the roof off this place. That was kind of weak this morning. It needs to be extraordinary praise this morning. Come on, stand to your feet and shout the roof off this place today. We've been redeemed. We've been saved. Our sins have been forgiven. <laughs> Look what he says. He says, when he finds that lost sheep, he begins to rejoice. See, he's rejoicing he found his lost sheep. And so he puts him on his shoulder. 
Look at verses six and seven. It says, and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me. For I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just person who needs no repentance. <laughs> Woo. There can be no rejoicing without joy. I said there can be no rejoicing without joy. Rejoicing is defined by showing delight or happiness. See, he's, he's, he's delightful. He's happy. He's found his lost sheep. He's calling all of his friends and his neighbors, and he's saying, come on, get happy with me. Come on, rejoice with me. My sheep was lost, but now it's found. I like joy, though. Let me give you this definition of joy. Joy is a delight of the mind arising from the consideration of a present or assured possession of a future good. Let me say that again. Joy is the light of the mind arising from the consideration of a present or assured, assured possession of a future good. What are you saying, preacher? I don't know about you, but I know I've been sealed to the day of redemption. <laughs> I know something happened and there was a sealing that took place through the power of the Holy Ghost. And I was studying about this sealing a couple months back and it said that the sealing is the last thing before the delivery takes place. See, we get sealed when we get saved and one day we're going to get delivered from this life to the next life in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but that's where our joy comes from because we have an assured possession of a future good. Heaven has been assured to us. Woo! Y'all need to shout this morning. Heaven is part of our salvation. Christians have joy because we are in possession of eternal life. Salvation is joy unspeakable and full of glory. No matter what happens, say, tell your neighbor, say, no matter what happens, no matter what we face, we still have eternal life. Paul said this in Romans, I love this, Romans 8, 37 and 38 and 39. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Then he says this, see, I am persuaded. I am convinced. I've considered the matter, and I realize that I have an assured possession of a future good. And I have determined that nothing shall separate me from the love of God. Not death, nor life, nor things present, nor things to come, nor angels, or principalities, nor powers. Come on, church. Nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I am sealed till the day of redemption. This is why you can go through hell and still sing the praises of God because you realize you have something that the world can't take away. Woo! My goodness. (laughs) 
That's why you can go through over a year, Norma, of heartache and pain and suffering. But sit here on the day that we laid Herman to rest and raise your hands to heaven and shout and sing and speak in other tongues because you have an assured promise of an eternal heaven with Christ Jesus. My goodness. Woo! Some of y'all ain't got it yet. <laughs> I'm telling you, when you go through the storm and you can still praise God, you begin to understand how about joy. You begin to understand that it's not based on circumstances. It's not based on situations. It's based on the eternal fact that God lives in your heart and nothing can separate you. My goodness. Here's what I love. Here's what I love. The good shepherd will come looking for us. You think you're hiding? You're not hiding. He's coming looking. His love's still coming after you. You may have rejected him, but he's still coming. You may have stood him up, but he's still coming. You may have betrayed him, but he's still coming. You may have failed last week, but he's still coming. The good shepherd, he's coming looking for us. Hallelujah. And when he finds us, all of heaven rejoices. Joy floods heaven. Heaven celebrates. The Hebrew form of joy is gil. This is what it means. To leap or to spin around with pleasure. See, when somebody gets saved, I can see the Savior. He's just spinning around. He's leaping with pleasure because some lost sheep has come home. Hold on. I ain't done yet. I'm not finished yet. Hold on. I hope you got your shout on this morning. I'm about ready to preach you happy. If you ain't happy, you might get happy. Some of you might get drunk on the Holy Ghost here in just a minute. To leap or to spin around with pleasure. I thought about that. And then I thought about David. Oh my goodness. He goes after the presence of God. And in the presence of God is the fullness of joy. And we read about David that he gets so happy, that he gets so excited, he begins to dance with all of his might. He's twirling, he's spinning because he's got joy deep down in his soul. Hallelujah. Eddie, you might have to run here in a minute. I thought about that lame man sitting at the gate, beautiful, been crippled all his life. People would take him to the gate and set him down, and he would beg for money. Money, give me money, give me money. Peter says, Look on us. I ain't got no money. I ain't got silver. 
I know my English ain't proper. Don't worry about it. I'm preaching this. You ain't. I ain't got silver. I ain't got gold. But I'll tell you what I got. I got Jesus. Let me give you some Jesus. Let me pass some Jesus to you. Let me hand you some Jesus. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. You know what the Bible says? It says that man whose legs were strengthened and he began to go through there leaping, praising God. Why? Because joy flooded his soul. Woo! Joy flooded his soul this morning. Woo! Hold on. Red Sea in front of them. Rock cliffs on each side of them. Pharaoh's army behind them. Moses stood up and said, stand still. See the salvation of the Lord. He held up that staff and the wind began to blow and the seas began to part and the dry ground uh, dried, the ground dried up and they walked across on dry ground. I handed you a tambourine a while ago and the Bible says, listen, the Bible says this. It says, listen to me this morning. It says, and Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand and all the women went out after her with timbrels and danced. You know why they dance? Because there was joy. There was joy in the camp. There was joy in the camp because of what God had done. You know what God had told them? You'll not see this army again. This is what she said. This is what she answered them. Sing to the Lord. For he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. There was joy that flooded the camp. So they danced. Oh, help me, Lord. She danced because of joy. Joy is so powerful. Listen to me. Joy is so powerful that when Mary walked into the house pregnant with Jesus, that John the Baptist leaped in the womb of his mother because of joy. The Savior just walked in. The Savior just came in and the baby leaped. I don't know about you, but some of you need to get your leap back. Some of you need to get your joy back. Some of you need to remember that the salvation of the Lord is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. Can you picture heaven this morning? When one lost sheep comes home, can you imagine heaven? All of heaven is leaping. All of heaven is twirling and spinning with joy. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I'm going to endure the shame. I'm going to endure the cross. 
Because in the very near future, I get to rejoice. In the very near future, I get to have joy. In the very near future, I get to celebrate. Because lost sheep will be found. So I will endure the shame. I will endure the cross. Because joy is coming. Let me just say this while it's here. Let me just say this why it's here. The Bible says that weeping endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Listen to me. Don't tie yourself to the night season. Don't chain yourself to the night season. Don't chain yourself to depression. Don't chain yourself to shame. Don't chain yourself to guilt. Let joy come in the morning because the joy of the Lord is our strength and we'll overcome depression and we'll overcome shame and we'll overcome guilt because of the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. Whoo. Luke 15, 7 says, I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who needs no repentance. Can I paint you a picture this morning? Can I paint you the picture that's in my mind this morning? I think when a lost sheep is found, when a lost sheep comes home, Jesus begins to celebrate. It is the joy that was set before him. Maybe, just maybe, he calls Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Maybe he tells Daniel and David. Maybe he tells Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Maybe he tells Paul, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Elisha, or Elijah. Maybe he just shouts with a loud voice and all of heaven hears the announcement that another lost sheep has come home. I need you to see this. I need you to use your best imagination this morning. I need you to peer into heaven with me this morning. The announcement goes out and simultaneously all throughout heaven, joy floods the atmosphere and everyone begins to leap and to spin with joy. Jesus is leaping with joy because another sheep has made it home. Joy is so wonderful this morning morning church listen listen to me I want to be part of the reason I want you to be part of the reason I want our church to be part of the reason why heaven celebrates with joy because we are willing to win the lost I want lost people to be found. See, we got it all backwards. We say, well, I found Jesus. No, Jesus ain't never been lost. He found us. We were wandering in the darkness. We were walking around dead men walking. He found us. We all know lost sheep that needs found. We all know blind people 
that need to see. We all know dead people who need life. We all know people who in darkness who need the light. I'm asking you. I'm challenging you. I'm challenging myself. Let's leave the 99 and let's go find the one. We are the body of Christ. Think about that statement. We are the body of Christ. Paul says that we are the ambassadors of Christ. It is our responsibility to take Jesus where he wants to go. Oh, that changes everything. It's our responsibility to take Jesus where he wants to go. If he wants to go to the crack house, we need to take him to the crack house. If he wants to go to the street corner, we need to take him to the street corner. If he wants to go to our neighbor, we need to take him to our neighbor. If he wants to go to the co-worker, we need to take him to the co-worker. If we, he, I know you ain't talked to your family in five years, but if he wants to go to the family, you need to take him to the family. It's our job. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. It's our job to take Jesus where he wants to go. Will we take Jesus to the world? Maybe God is asking us the same question that he asked in Isaiah chapter 6. Whom shall we send? And who will go? And I hope we'll be like Isaiah. Lord, send me. I'll go. I'll go. The whole mission of Jesus is to seek and to save the lost. We're his body. It should be our mission also. With every head bowed and every every eye closed as Joey comes back up to the stage. Maybe you're here this morning and you're lost without Jesus. Maybe he's not the Lord of your life. I come to tell you that he wants you to come home. He wants you to be found. He wants you to see. He wants you to have life, but not just life, but life more abundantly. And if that's you today, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to come back and get you. I am going to ask that you would raise your hand high enough for us to see it. Hold it up long enough for us to acknowledge it so that we can ask the church to pray for the person that raised their hand. If you're here this morning and you're lost without Jesus, would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor Gary, I'm lost without Jesus. He's not the Lord of my life. My name's not written in the book of life. Is there anyone at all this morning 
Is there anyone at all that would say, that's me, Pastor? Is there anyone at all? There's an honest hand. Is there anybody else this morning? Is there anybody else? There's another hand. Is there anybody else this morning? says, I'm lost without Jesus. If you raised your hand this morning and you'd want to come to the front and pray, will you come? Will you come? We'll have somebody meet you here and pray with you. Will you come? You raised your hand. Will you come? Will you come? Maybe you're uncomfortable coming. Maybe this is your first time here. I don't know everybody's status or situation. We'll do it this way. Would everybody please stand this morning and look at the screen? We've got a prayer we're going to put on the screen this morning. If you raised your hand and you're lost, if you're online this morning and you're lost, we want you to pray this prayer with us as Brandy leads this young lady to the Lord. We want you to pray this prayer with us and God can save you right there where you're at. Right there where you're sitting. Right there where you're standing. If you're watching online, he can save you right there. Will you pray this prayer with us this morning? Dear Lord Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I invite you into my heart to be the Lord of my life. I trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning and you're in person and you, and you gave Jesus your heart, you invited him into your heart to, to be your Savior, would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. There's an honest hand this morning. Is there anybody else this morning? If you're online today, if you're online today and you prayed that prayer, just put in the comment section, I got saved. And our online team will reach out to you and connect with you. Church heaven celebrating. I think we need to celebrate this morning. Oh, y'all could do better than that. Heaven's leaping this morning. Heaven's twirling this morning. Heaven's celebrating this morning. Uh, can you see it?